Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm going to live out my lifelong dream of arm wrestling while getting my back tattooed. (laughs) That way I can lose twice at the same time. (laughs) I mean, I'm Alex. Uh, But that'll be great, Alex, because then everyone will see that tattoo and know that you had $60. (laughs) Everyone say what their back tattoo would be right now. Mine would be the three of us riding on a dragon and that would be like along like the lower part not my lower back because come on i'm pretty classy but just above the unclassy part of my lower back would be the three of us riding a dragon and then above that so from like the the base of my neck down to the dragon would probably be the lyrics to a song that means something to all of us um (laughs) like Oh, gosh, there's so many. Moving right along by the Muppets, yeah. probably. And, uh, yeah, it would be that. Well, you took my answer. Exactly <laughs> 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 what I was going to say. Whoa! Down to the letter. To the letter. I wanna, I'm excited about our, our potentially reoccurring bit that mm. I want to introduce mm. here. Mm. Uh, <laughs> so I want to I get right to actually talking about the movie for once. Um, we are talking about Black Widow, the film. Not no, Back Widow, the... which is my alternative idea for my <laughs> <Yeah>. tattoo. Sure, <laughs> sure. Um, it's just a giant picture of ScarJo. <laughs> or a spider. A huge, no. no. <laughs> just her face blown up. Yeah. Like stares, the size of your back. Staring intensely at whoever's staring behind intensely. me, whoever's following me. Um, Yes, we are uh, going to have Britain do a do a synopsis here yeah. for us, um, <clears throat> so that we can. We realize we don't give uh, you listeners enough context. Sometimes we talk about movies that we don't expect anybody to be watching, so we want to, you know, do a little breakdown, get a little rundown. Yeah, but I, I really don't feel. I mean, you guys are so used to hearing me talk, so we have special guest mm-hmm. and uh, topical, oh. re- real. Uh, uh, Playboy, funny man, all things to all people. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg here. So, Mark, why, here, Mark, why don't you why don't you take it away from me, Mark? <laughs> sure. Just got to find something to read. Okay. The synopsis of this film is Natasha Romanoff, aka Black Widow, confronts the darker parts of her ledger when a dangerous conspiracy with ties to her past rises, pursued by a force that will stop at nothing to bring her down. Natasha must deal with her history as a spy and the broken relationships left in her wake long before she became an Avenger. Needless to say, I relate to this film. In so many ways. Thank you, Mark. Um, what a class I act. really, really wish we filmed this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, it would have been so good to get that footage of Mark Zuckerberg being on the podcast. Yeah, I know. He, we're just um, hanging out. Wait, hang on. No, the upper... No, the other shelf. I don't know. Go buy them. <laughs> I'm not lending you money for Cheez-Its. You've got, like... You have $5. He has $5. Sorry. He's... A, a needy house guest. Um. <laughs> anyway. Sounds like it. Yeah, Black this Widow. Isn't- this is an excellent addition to the Here Come the Sequels lore, I've just got to say. <laughs> Tyler's currently the only one who has a sort of normal 
home life. Alex is submerged beneath the deep eye of Mark Zuckerberg, his roommate. And I believe, canonically, only one arm. I believe that was introduced at one point, that I only have one arm. Probably. <laughs> we're, like, we're like one skydiving adventure away from getting a full wiki, guys. Let's just mm-hmm. go for it. Mm-hmm. I don't get the <laughs> reference, but sure. Alex, that wasn't are, a reference to anything. What, okay. are, what do you do, do? What are the scores for Black Widow, the film starring people? Yeah, we're doing a Marvel movie. That's so right. We spent we spent exactly five minutes talking about not Marvel. Uh, Black Widow from 2021, uh, directed by let's see, uh, Kate Shortland. It has a 79% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 91% audience score. All right. There you go. And uh seems good. Yeah. Interesting numbers. Well, I think that'll about do it. Yeah. Uh, uh, good. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's fine. Nip this in the butt. Um, yeah, no, it's a cool movie. Uh shall I go first with best and worst? Do it. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh mostly I'm doing this so I can just go ahead and plant my little flag in the ground that says Florence Pugh is my best thing. Mm-hmm. Um but I'll actually, I, I will, I will follow up on that. I, want, I do want to say my worst thing first because it, I, I, I don't really know a good way to phrase it. So I started by saying, "Well, it's the villains." I was like, "No, it's not." Exa-. What I think it is is that this movie doesn't have the like driving thematic thing for her to for uh, Black Widow to resist. I guess um, I, I don't think the villains in this are very dynamic or interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Taskmaster, who's sort of the heavy, is kind of a cool concept that I don't feel is explored very much. And Olga yep. Kurylenko, Olga Kurylenko has no lines. Uh, you know, theoretically, we might see more of that character later, so we'll see. But um, the the big bad in this movie, Ray Winstone is Drakov. Just uh, I love Ray Winstone. I think he's a lot of fun in general. But like, I did not. This movie did not. I think use him to the best of uh, his abilities. Um, so, which you know. I'd be okay with the villains being kind of shallow if this movie was better at driving home the theme of her confronting her past. Like, the fact that this is about Black Widow destroying the Red Room, this thing that enslaved and tortured and did all of these terrible things to her for so much of her life, this thing that has clearly haunted her for however long we've had these movies for, and it feels so... All right, she did it. Is yeah. It isn't really satisfactory for me. And I, and I I know there are people in this world who are really, really big fans of that character. Um, I, I'm not in that camp, but I totally see why people would be. And I understand why people would be clamoring for, for Scarlett Johansson to have her own movie and for Black Widow to have her own movie. And I, I feel like if I were in that camp, this movie wouldn't have really given me what I wanted. On paper, it does. She She is the lead. She gets to go and have her own adventure, independent of the Avengers. She takes down the person who did all this horrible stuff to her. But none of it really felt um, satisfactory. So much of the movie seems to be more focused on rebuilding this family that we're only introduced to through this movie. And I, I feel like if this movie had a stronger theme of her reconciling, like forgiving herself reconciling with specific atrocities that she had done as opposed to sort of like alluding to them. Um, it might've been more powerful and it wouldn't have been such a big deal that the villains were kind of bland or in the reverse, even if they didn't have the theme so, so great, but the villains were really powerful or 
you know, dynamic or interesting, I'd be like, yeah, but that's cool. Cause I still got to see her take down whoever. So that all kind of, of left me a little uh, wanting. And, and I, I also think it's a shame that Scarlett Johansson gets her own movie and is completely Florence Pugh totally steals it from her. Yeah. Um, Florence Pugh's fantastic in this. I think she's a lot of fun. She nails all the drama. She does the action well, but she's really very, very funny. I think a lot of the jokes in this movie on paper are like, yeah, sure, that counts as a joke. Whatever. But she sells it so well. Mm -hmm. Like, she turns the line, I know you like my vest. It's so cool, into a genuinely funny thing. And there are points in the movie where I think it rests, the humor rests on, (laughs) but, but they have Russian accents. And I, I think she actually, and David Harbour as well, managed to mm-hmm. really sell that. So without without digging into a bunch of other stuff, I, I think it's just, this movie didn't feel like the satisfactory, here it is, finally, Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow in her own movie, because it doesn't really deliver on the themes I, I think would have served it. I, I Of course, I don't know. And uh, Florence Pugh just kind of steals the whole movie. And those are mine. I can go next. Uh, my best thing is going to be kind of the opening sequence and then the main title sequence, mm-hmm. because I think that promises a completely different movie from the remaining like two hours that follows. Uh, I like that the movie starts in what is seemingly a fairly, you know, for the Marvel movies, at least a, a grounded, very serious kind of way. Um, and it really it gets me invested in Natasha's character in a way that I wasn't before because we see her as a little girl. We see um, kind of all of the the potential future that she saw for herself in terms of just kind of living a life happily in America with a family. And then it kind of just gets ripped away from her all of a sudden. And then all of the Red Room stuff. And I I think the the opening titles um, set to... uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit for Smells Like Teen Spirit. What? For reasons they chose that song? I, I think it works very well with the mood. I it's a, and it's a slowed down. It's See, I appreciate it because we finally got a slowed down pop song that was in the movie instead of just in the trailer for the movie. Mm. Sure. So, like, they actually they committed. They were like, yep. Uh, not really also, pop, I guess, but... Still. Also, we brought back opening title sequences. Keep doing this. This is mm. good. I like this. I think the last time they had this was The Incredible Hulk. Yeah. And hey, that's one the of the best parts of best that movie, MCU too. Movie. Uh, but yeah, I think ultimately that I saw so much potential in that opening sequence. That's just not it's just kind of dropped because we have to return to our regularly scheduled Marvel shenanigans for the rest of the movie. And that was kind of unfortunate. Um, it feels like the director and I, I don't really know Kate Shortland's kind of other works or, you know, all the writers and everything. Um, I don't know if they came in with a certain pitch and it got changed or morphed, but it feels like that, that opening, at least that came from someone's vision. And then the rest of it just kind of got altered and kind of melded into the typical Marvel formula. Um, which is unfortunate. I really don't like when we see that happen because it, it seems to happen all too often. And I know that's kind of an obvious complaint that things just kind of get marvelized. Um, everything just kind of follows the formula. But when you get something that seems like, oh, this is going to be like a spy thriller. It's like Winter Soldier. It's going to feel like a completely different genre from the other Marvel movies. And then the end is her skydiving with massive explosions and she's doing a CGI fight with a, a 
not ninja. Like I, I don't know. It, it's it's a, a big whiplash for me. And um, no, my no, worst whip, thing, whiplash I ex- is a uh, whiplash is Iron Man too. <laughs> he's back. Mickey Rourke's in this one. Look, that he's Russian. Be, That's all I'm saying. That would yeah. be great though. I wouldn't if they have been angry at it. If he had somehow survived Iron Man two and he was the one mm-hmm. uh, arm wrestling David Harbor in the prison, or oh, make man, him yeah. make him uh, make him Taskmaster, it'd be fun. Yeah, well, yeah, why not? Reveal him and be like, what? <laughs> Excuse <laughs> me, it'd be great. But his it, instead of being completely mute, his, literally his only line, the only thing he can say is, "I want my bird." Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be great. Uh, my worst thing, I had a few things to choose from. Actually, I think this movie has very it has a few kind of key things that just kind of wreck the foundation. And this movie's not terrible. Let, no, let me just no. say that. I think it's perfectly average. Um, I think I'll go with using science fiction concepts and kind of pushing it to be more over the top and comic booky, I guess, to brush past opportunities to discuss serious subject matter. Um, I don't like that we have just mind control and it can just be solved with a gas. I think that's really lame. And I think th- they talk your about, <laughs> <laughs> they talk about how it's, it's supposed to be a step up from the kind of psychological conditioning that Natasha experienced back when she was in the red room and it, it's like the next step. It's evolved. It's more dangerous this way. But I kind of looked at that and went, oh, that's lame. And you just need something to kind of end action sequences, don't you? And that's ultimately what ends up happening. And I think the whole idea that you have all these girls that have been raised from, you know, a very young age to be, you know, basically mindless killers. Um, I think that's a very interesting opportunity. And you can kind of explore that and how that relates to Natasha having to return to all of that. But you know, Florence Pugh's character, she just gets the gas in her face in her first scene and she's fine. Like, she's just like, oh, she's a hero now. And I found that kind of annoying. And I, I don't know. It, it's just between that and then the ending, have the Red Room basically being a satellite just floating in the sky and then they got to blow it up. I was very, very bored by all of that. And I found it very annoying. And like I said, if the movie hadn't opened with that stuff and started as like a more, gra- you know, quote unquote grounded, because I know these things aren't actually grounded, but um, a, a more, you know, down to earth spy thriller compared to normal Marvel movie fare. Um, if it hadn't started with that, maybe I wouldn't think of it as being so much of a problem, but I was just, I don't know. I was kind of annoyed through a lot of it. So. Sorry. Hey, hey, sorry. One minute, guys. Hey, Mark, can you turn that down? Mark, can you just... No, just, just turn it down a little bit, bud. We're doing the pod, We're doing the podcast. Sorry, he's uh, watching Brockmire. Got really into... Really into Brockmire. Tyler, would you like to do your... Mark! Jeez. Not, uh, not watching videos of his Metaverse announcement again. Oh, you know, he might... He, that might be an ad for Brockmire. Now you're mentioning it. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> might be a smoke um, screen. There you go. Uh, I think I'm going to say my best thing is David Harbor. Uh, I I would have also oh, yeah. said Florence Pugh. Um, I think the two of them in in general will make this movie extremely watchable. Scarlett Johansson's good in this. Yeah. She she does what she needs to do. Uh, I think it it gives her a good amount to do. Um, 
as well. But th those two in particular with their ridiculous Russian accents are a lot of fun. Play off of each other really well. Uh, I think maybe the... I don't know about the peak, but the... Uh, everything's downhill from here sequence for me is the two of them uh, singing American Pie oh, sure. in the bedroom. Um, I can agree. It's silly, it's fun, and then everything after that kind of turns into the third act. Um, so that's kind of the last point where we get a, a real drawing out of emotion from this this family that is very broken. Um, I think overall there there's a lot of effective scenes with the four yeah. uh, family members. Um, but the, those two in particular, I think, have a really good chemistry and, and they do a lot of fun gags. And like I said, Britain, they, they pull a lot out of the script that yeah. on paper would just be like, oh, this is the most bland, yeah. whatever, <laughs> like we needed a joke quote unquote mm -hmm. um oh like when he's telling the story about the ice fishing and mm -hmm. like all of that is kind of bland but the their their reactions to each other and the way is really good mm -hmm. yeah they're I, both very good actors i do think the running gag of him talking about how he fought captain america previously i feel like un with a different actor that could have come off as very grating and it's yeah. actually it's it's kind of charming and, and amusing coming from him. Yeah. And I hope we get something from that at some point in one of these many, many Marvel properties yeah. that are coming out. Uh, yeah, I um, would say my worst thing, kind of the flip side of your best thing, Alex. I think my worst thing in particular is the third act. Um, I don't think it goes quite so the movie starts with i agree a really strong opening sequence um they do this flashback thing that made me really think that we were going to get a lot of stranger things 80 80s nostalgia kind of leaning into that uh and they don't do that it's a it's a strong sequence we get to understand these characters to some extent um we see kind of how how twisted and uh steeped in secrecy their lives are uh, we go through the opening title sequence and then we have a while where Scarlett Johansson is on her own and she's like trying to go on th off the grid. Uh, she's figuring out how to hide out. Um, we get a few scenes of that and I like it quite a bit. Uh, and then we stuff slowly gets and yeah, word amped up in the Marvel side of things. Like we, we get, the fight with the taskmaster on the bridge that has some good hand-to-hand -hand stuff, but also is a little bit big and explosion-y and a little bit excessive. And then uh, there's some good fighting, like grounded fighting with uh, her when she first meets up with Florence Pugh, but then that kind of spirals into some big CGI stuff. Like there, there's the part where they fall um, off the smoke stack. They all jump onto a smoke stack and it falls. And it, there's, a, there's a few green screen elements in this movie yeah. that don't look good and i don't yeah. know if that's a covid thing i don't know if that's a we didn't have the resources to put this together and make this look really polished because we were trying to figure out how to manage this while working from home i i don't know if there's something to that but to be fair i've also criticized many marvel movies that no, didn't you, have that excuse in the past you you have but this is not like okay you you got the job done this is like oh there's some there's some yeah bad so, like, I know that there's a few elements, Alex, that you have not enjoyed, uh, like, stuff with, like, Iron Man's helmet and Spider-Man's costume and stuff, but those are, like, design choices that they didn't quite get right for you, 
where this is like it doesn't look right and it's just an effect it's just like somebody falling and there's green screen or and, it, yeah, and it's supposed to be a human behind them yeah yeah like there there's a few of those especially in the third act where it's like this is less competent than usual yeah um the uh the bit where florence Pugh like shoves that stick into yes, uh, drake yeah. off ship and gets blown backwards somehow right, right. it looks really bad yeah it's, it's rough um and uh, the, just because i like to think about the people who work behind the scenes on these things i i like to give them the benefit of the doubt and assume yeah. there's probably some elements of that that were made a lot harder through covid but who knows um but yeah we we get more and more of those big bombastic elements um and i think a lot of the fight scenes up until the third act still weave in some more grounded fun stuff there's some cool stuff in the sequence where they're uh getting david harbour out of the prison mm-hmm. um that i think there's some cool fighting there's some cool stuff with the helicopters uh florence Pugh blows up a watchtower and it's fun um there's a lot of snow cgi and that starts to get a little iffy uh and it starts to get a little a little big and a little over the top um so i i feel like it continues creeping in over the course of the movie until by the end we get this third act that is just completely could could be out of any of these movies um and and so all that kind of interesting uh different angle because the the beginning of this movie does not play the same as any other mc movie like it's it it does feel like they gave this to somebody who is known for directing even visually i think that opening is significantly different from the, the final act yeah exactly and and that's the thing is i the, there was a big story that came out a while ago i think it was for another director who was maybe interviewed not interviewed but in talks for black widow and didn't end up going with it yeah. uh where she said that they offered to do all the they would do all the action scenes um and that was kind of a big kerfuffle i don't think they do that for every movie i i mean you like you can't tell me that guardians of the galaxy those action sequences are not just like james gunn's vision sure. on screen yeah. um same i think with taika watiti in a lot of cases but but there is some truth to that but (laughs) this movie this movie very much feels that way this this feels like all right put put in the bones of this get the really good relationship stuff the the you know work with the cast really well seems like shortland probably is a is good at directing these uh these actors um there there was another scene with uh scarlett johansson and florence Pugh uh i guess after the first big action sequence where they're hanging out and they're like getting some food oh yeah uh and just kind of chatting and reminiscing and thinking about like where they are and where they're going in life um and i think it's a really good scene there there's a few like that that sneak in there so it definitely feels to me like we had this foundation we got these these character beats that are pretty nice they they kind of carry the movie um most of the movie is competent overall but definitely it doesn't feel like kate shortland was sitting there thinking yes i really need to get the big ray winstone helicarrier <laughs> and have everyone do a big fight and blow the mind control gas everywhere and everyone's free like it this right. is and, and that's the thing that i that frustrates me about this movie overall we can kind of get into more broad discussion about the movie from here but 
it feels very much like a oh i don't know like 2013 marvel movie um this does feel like something that would come out the same year as iron man 3 and thor the dark world yes like it's in that range of okay if this had come out the kind of the same thing with iron man 3 uh, and thor the dark world to some extent but especially iron man 3 where that's not a movie that most people love but it's a movie that did a lot of things with tony stark that then worked through the rest yeah. of the franchise and and most people watched it so it was like okay we got that we got the character beats from that may not have loved the movie but it 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 sat in our minds because it did some stuff with this character and now we can move on and there's more weight to what that character does in the avengers movies this feels like it should have come out then and then it would have been like oh we got a movie to hang out with black widow and see what's going on with her yeah and now we can go on to enjoy her a little bit more and, and feel like we've got a little bit more depth to whatever she's up to in the next Avengers movie. Um, and, and that frustrates me because I think Marvel really is trying to get out of the lines of that formula. Um, none of us have seen Eternals yet, no, <laughs> surprisingly, no. which I feel like I'm probably going to enjoy. I know it's, it's gotten pretty mixed reviews. Um, I just have a feeling based on who's involved that I'll probably end up liking it. Uh, so I'm I'm resigning myself to that fact now. But um that clearly is a movie that <laughs> uh did some things differently yeah. for better or worse. Um we'll have to watch it to see how much differently or if that feels like it's outside the mold. But I really um, hope we, we all love it. <laughs> We're just like, nope, going against the grain here, yeah. you're all yeah. wrong. Yeah, we we will see. Um but uh you've got that, you've got Shang-Chi. Uh, which I think is a movie that incorporates a lot of cool elements, like with the martial arts fighting. Uh, it just has a different perspective. It's a lot more about uh, this Asian character, and the movie is very much aware of that, and you know, wanting that to be front and center about what makes this character who he is. Um, you've got a lot of movies with just more diverse heroes, more interesting stories to tell. Uh, and then this comes out and it's kind of like, oh, this is just like all this other movies. Right. Um, in the middle of what seems to be a lot of fun, interesting, different ones. Uh, or at least interesting and different. Maybe not always fun. But um, there's a lot of movies coming out from Marvel that seem like they're going to really go against what they've been doing before. And, and this is not doing anything to help usher them into that new era, yeah. that, that post-Endgame era. Um, so that's... That's probably the thing that most frustrates me about it is like, I feel like this, it could have been something different uh, and just stayed like a very grounded Black Widow movie. Maybe give it, it doesn't really do anything to enlighten or highlight what she does in Endgame. Right. It doesn't really tie into the fact that she dies in Endgame, spoilers, but also that's spoiled at the end of the end credits in this um yeah um so i don't know it's yeah well and i also just i i feel like johansson as an actor got better material in in game and like civil war yeah. and stuff like that whereas and i mean i think she has there's a nice bit at the table when they're all having dinner and rachel vice says natasha don't slouch and scar joe's like i'm not slouching like acting like a teenager like that's kind of fun but otherwise, it's a lot of just, like, exposition and, like, no, we have to stop him. It's all that kind of stuff. 
Um, yeah. Or her uh, evading the authorities and like being on on the phone and, yeah. and just like having a cool one liners. Right. Right. Um, um. Yeah. The the biggest thing, yeah, Tyler, I, I completely agree with with that. The the biggest thing that I was kind of hoping for, and this is something that that we found as they you know they they continue making Marvel movies, is that you know in retrospect it does help make some of the weaker movies stronger, um, by just adding more you know time with these characters and more development and and um kind of revisiting stuff like the fact that they go back to Dark World in mm-hmm. Endgame like instantly kind of validates that movie in a weird way. Yeah. Uh, but I was really hoping that this was going to kind of fix the issues that I had with Endgame and how Black Widow was treated. Mm. I think the fact that she doesn't really get a proper send off and there there is a very nice scene where um, uh, Wanda and uh, Clint are talking about her and Vision both passing and how they're kind of dealing with that. Um, so that's nice, but the fact that, you know, of course we got to give Iron Man the big funeral and everyone's there and no- and Black Widow gets nothing. And I, I was really hoping that this movie was going to do something to rectify that. And instead we got an annoying after credit scene, uh, with a character from, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier that I already didn't like. Well, I know this was supposed to come out before that. I still yeah, didn't like yeah. her. <laughs> Technically Falcon and Winter Soldier had a character from Black Widow. Yeah. And it's also, uh, 29-time Emmy winner Julia Louis-Dreyfus. So put some respect on her name, please. Thank you. I also <laughs> thought she was bad in the role. They really? Oh, I thought the opposite. I found her annoying, but that's just me. I mean, the character's annoying. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, no. I'll put it that way. I thought the character was annoying, and I didn't like it. <laughs> I, this, uh, to go off tangent here, bothers me greatly because I'm like, you can almost put this movie... So this movie takes place after Civil War, correct? Yes. So you could, yeah. Civil War is twenty sixteen. What, what was the next movie after Civil War? Doctor Strange. The Doctor Strange. Yeah, you could put this movie right in front of Doctor Strange for the most part. You know, like so, somewhere there. If you're if you're rewatching, you can just be like, "This was supposed to come out five years ago, but Ike Perlmutter sucks, so <laughs> we're gonna change this up." Uh, we should probably get into that a little bit, um, but for the most part you could just watch it somewhere in that realm and be like okay great got a nice setup for her character and where she's at in infinity war this will be fun um but instead we have the end credit that just addresses that florence Pugh is going to show up in hawkeye uh yeah but also reveals that black widow dies and so i'm like ah, but uh, i i I feel like if you if you're not gonna really give us more to do with Black Widow, like I I know for the longest time I was obsessed with the idea that they would do something with Steve Rogers, um, as kind of like a capstone to this of him showing up and giving the Soul Stone back to the Red Skull, and you know he gets Black Widow back and they go off on an adventure somewhere and we never see them again, um. I was really hoping for something like that. I know that's kind of wild pie in the sky, but like something that would address, like you're saying, Alex, address the fact that she dies in Endgame and like that there are a lot of characters who that affected and we should probably get a little bit more info about that. Um, But instead 
we get this one-off thing that has really no purpose other than to say, hey, by the way, Black Widow dies, so you can't watch this in chronological order <laughs> if yeah. uh, you're somebody, you're trying to, like, show the series to somebody for whatever reason. Or um, or maybe it's, like, one of those uh, kind of weird foreshadowing maybe things. Maybe so. Like, maybe like sometimes work. if you watch, like, cold open to a TV show, like a Breaking Bad or something, sometimes they spoil something that's going to yeah. happen later in the episode or even a couple episodes, and you're like, whoa, I, I need more context for that. And it's like, oh, Black Widow's going to die. What's going on? There's an I episode so. of uh, The Walking Dead where a bunch of the characters get into a van to go do a run, and the person driving the van puts on a mix. And it's like some weird, like, techno uh, dubstep thing. But they put the camera on a certain character and then the lyrics go now you're going to die and that character dies later in the episode so maybe it's like that crushing episode by the way anyway Britain, can we get can we get can, can, can we get your roommate mark to uh uh review every episode of walking dead oh Force? no i don't i don't want to talk to him about it you know there are some things you just love so much you don't want to share with certain people because it's like you mm-hmm. don't want to i don't want those circles to intersect um we mostly just talk about like lipstick jungle mm-hmm. and uh virgin spring you know that kind of stuff <laughs> i'm not going to carry this <laughs> podcast on my own <laughs> but you can sure try i can't save you so i want to talk about ike perlmutter uh because i feel like this movie is much more interesting to talk about as an MCU logistical element mm. than as the movie itself. As, it's much more interesting to talk about as a product. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Um, the, so Ike Perlmutter, for those who don't know, we've probably talked about this before, um, is the executive who was in charge of Marvel at Disney up until post, uh, age of Ultron. Uh, and basically was like a a barrier between Kevin Feige and the Disney execs, execs and was like anything you want to do you have to you have to pass through me um and then in 2015 or whatever they they kicked him to the TV side specifically and Kevin Feige uh became the like head and became totally in control of everything that he was doing and was allowed to completely manage whatever he wanted um, and Ike Perlmutter is very famous for saying that they shouldn't make Black Widow merchandise because girls will never buy uh, or don't buy merchandise. Um, and then Captain Marvel made over a billion dollars. <laughs> uh, so like th- there's a very clear like once he's out, you can see that was in like late 2015, early beginning of 2018. We get Black Panther um, beginning of 2019. We get Captain Marvel. Right. Yes. Um, you you can see immediately Kevin Feige being like, people will watch the things that represent them. We they they will want to go see these things and they will think they're yeah. interesting. We're going to stop having just like this entirely like single voice or perspective for all these characters. Basically, like we're we're not going to have only white male characters. Um, you 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 can see that that and I think that's like a business thing more than anything. Like I'm not trying to be like praise this businessman for being the most revolutionary progressive man ever but like he he saw that that was like a very dumb way of thinking um and so i think that's why we never got this until this point like i think that's what delayed getting the black widow movie and the fact that they were like well 
Scarlett Johansson's got a movie in her contract. She wants to make this. We'll 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 squeeze it in after Endgame. Um, but I just think it's a shame that we never got this as one of the like we didn't get an origin for the original Avengers. Um, I guess Hawkeye is only now getting a TV show, but yeah, it's Hawkeye. We, yeah, <laughs> you know the you know the good Avengers. Really. Well, I mean, I think similarly, it's more about. I I don't know this, of course, but I'm assuming that that is more the backdoor pilot for Kate Bishop joining everything. Yeah. And this is kind of that for Yelena. (laughs) Like, we're doing a Black Widow movie, but like you said, because of all this development nonsense, how how do we make it what it always should have been now? So we'll just make it and kind of use it to also get Florence Pugh in here. Um, Which is a shame because... I, I think there is stuff here. And I still think that doesn't, that definitely explains some of, I think the creative uh, fuzz, but it doesn't necessarily mean they couldn't have made it more thematically yeah. satisfying and everything I was saying earlier. I really feel like Florence Pugh should be more of a villain in this. Sure. Or at least in uh, a misguided villain, if anything. Right. An antagonist. Uh, you know, or, or, yeah. Like so- someone who is opposed philosophically but ultimately they, they come to respect each other. Like, I think that's an angle you could easily take with this. Yeah. Um, that I think is a shame that they don't because it means that we get some interesting scenes with him early on and then nothing really after that. Right. I just realized, I do like that this movie still doesn't explain the Budapest thing with uh, her and Hawkeye. Cause I remember when, whatever freaking movie they introduced that offhanded joke about Budapest. I remember like Tumblr, people were going nuts about like, what happened to Budapest? We have to know what happened. Oh my God. We're calling the characters by their first names. This is crazy. And I remember being like, why am I still on Tumblr? Um, anyway, <laughs> but I, I really think this is, and this is not an un, uh, a popular, this is not an unpopular opinion, but like, I agree with a lot of people who say this. We don't need everything explained. Sometimes it, it, there is just a one-off joke, and it's just that. It's a joke. The joke is that it's never explained. Stop. You don't need to know. Like, a lack of information doesn't always mean it's a flaw of storytelling. Sometimes you have everything you need. And, it, like, I think people just kind of over-blew the, blew out. Uh, freak. They, they exaggerated this um, offhanded joke into, like, I can't believe they're not telling us this amazing, rich backstory. It's like, no. So I like this movie kind of continued it. They're like, yeah, they're in it. And she says something about arrows. And then we keep going. Like, don't worry about it. It's not that important. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. So the, because there is a brief flashback scene that shows her kind of seemingly destroying the Red Room originally. And that's, um, she thinks she's killed Dracoff's daughter as well. Yeah. That's not in Budapest, right? I don't think so. I was thinking it was maybe, I don't know. but I could be. Let's let's go because I think let's see because I think Hawkeye is on the phone talking with her as she does yeah. that. But I d- it may not be. And then she has that throwaway line after the um, they escape and they're in the uh, little uh, vent um, in the subway after Taskmaster kind of runs away. And uh, I think she says something like, oh, Hawkeye and I were here for two days or something like that. Uh, apparently it is budapest well so you were wrong Bryn. then i guess i know what <laughs> it well, i mean it, like. do, it doesn't 
it, it doesn't not waste... even her. I was gonna say it doesn't waste like twenty minutes on a fully blown action scene trying to sure. explain it. Sure. So I mean, there I I guess. But, yeah. But yeah. I will hold to my thesis by complaining about the series Ratchet. Now here's the deal. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, Count. how dare you, Mark? Mark earmuffs. <laughs> don't don't listen to this. <laughs> He's a big Ratchet counterpoint. Fan. Uh, what if this movie had only been about Budapest and was just a grounded, like gritty war film? I feel like that. I also would be fine with that. I think you gotta, you gotta either, uh, overcommit or. Yeah. That uh, would deal with her overcoming her, uh, psychological conditioning far better than this movie actually does. But you keep the post credit scene exactly the same and they never explain who Florence Pugh is and she is just (laughs) in the movies from how there is never any explanation. (laughs) <laughs> or Julia Louis or Julia Louis Dreyfus, yeah. There's no context. That's what the Marvel movie should start doing. Is nobody get every movie starts in what would have been the second of that superheroes? Yes. Thing yes. of movies. Skip the origins. Yeah. So we just we just drop in and suddenly Fin Fang Foom's like, Haha, well at least you're not Big Ben, and then he's just like eating a arena full of people. I don't know what Fin Fang Foom does. Yeah, probably something like that. Yeah, you know. As long as he's not a giant cosmic cloud or whatever. No, he's a computer uh, program. <laughs> F-N-F-N-G underscore F-M. I could totally... They, they would have done that in the fan four stick as, universe. As, as Finn yeah. Wolfhard uh, with his uh, F-U flip flops is like typing away. <laughs> they would have, they would have like... I don't think they would have gone there. I think that would have been a reference on a monitor somewhere. Sure. There would have been a... The, would be some like, kids uh, playing a video game called uh, where oh, he's, yeah. he's fighting a dragon, and the dragon has a little. It'd be like in bar and says Fin Fang Foom. It'd be like in Watchmen, where instead of showing the giant octopus, they have squid just on the monitor. Yes, spelled out. <laughs> it, yes, it's called squid. Yeah. Uh, I did want to talk a little bit more about the action sequences because I thought they were, once again, consistently frustrating. Specifically with the lack of consequences in the action sequences. There is Um, a lot. I realized this movie has a lot of, I'll use my thighs to twist you around. Yeah. Yeah. That's like her move. I I do appreciate that uh, Yelena has that joke about like, you're a poser. Why do you keep getting in these weird, like you crouch down or whatever. But then later, like Black Widow does it. And the follow-up joke is such a poser, and I feel like it was a little on the nose. But then later, when Yelena does it, her follow-up joke is, oh, it's just disgusting, or horrible, her, or something. It's pretty funny. Her physical comedy with that is oh, it's great. perfect. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> like, it's it's like a shiver is going up her back. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. the way like, she reacts oh, to it is perfect. Yeah, she's so good. Um, But yeah, I noticed, uh, I, I think the first scene, and I, 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 this has probably been made fun of a lot online, the first scene where Yelena kills the black widow that kind of uh mm-hmm. unleashes the gas on her and uh, kind of frees her from the mind control she stabs her in the stomach and there's like next to no blood there's like a little red stain on her shirt and that's it i know we're dealing with a pg-13 movie but i've complained about this before i if you're gonna stab people if you're gonna have people get cut up had there actually be blood i've complained about this before I, I, teens need to see blood yeah pre-teens need to see viscera 
I think people need to understand consequences to violence. And I, I think fair. there's a way to do that without going way over the top with it. Like, no, I don't, sure. I don't need, I don't need Django Unchained level violence when people get shot. In this I movie. do need, I need Tarantino <laughs> to direct an MCU movie <laughs> where like he shows up and they're like, all right, Quentin, well, uh, you're going to be directing. I don't know. It could be a Punisher movie. You can get, you know, let me be a little violent be like, yeah, you're going to be directing a Punisher movie. And then he just is like, okay. And he closes off the set and none of the executives are allowed to get in. And he like <laughs> shifts the, the video directly to the distributors uh, so that they're not able to stop him from making just the most horrifyingly brutal yeah. thing you've ever seen. Um, I would like that. On, so Quinn, who did you relate to more in your film? Moon Girl or the Devil Dinosaur? Which of those two characters were really your, uh, your, 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 the siren song for you? The weird part was apparently he wanted to do Luke Cage at some point, which huh. I buy that mercy, small mercy Sense to me. Uh, uh, the other major thing is, and, and Tyler, you alluded to this earlier, uh, characters just continue to survive ridiculous falls and crashes and like they're completely fine. And I know that's a typical complaint that's just in action movies in general. But I, I was I was thinking about specifically, you know, just because it's another quote unquote grounded spy thriller that came out around the same time. I'm, I'm going to talk about No Time to Die briefly. Yeah. Um, there are several moments where James Bond, like an, an explosion goes off nearby or something happens and he gets thrown to the ground or whatever and he survives. And yes, it's still equally ludicrous that he survives that. But I think that movie does a very good job of at least having very short-term consequences because a lot of times like the soundtrack completely fades away because he's he's lost his hearing momentarily like there's a bit where an explosion goes off right in front of him and he's lost his bearings he's trying to call someone on the phone and he can't like hear anything um and that kind of feeds into the start of the action sequence um so there there's something there there's something to kind of keep it from being completely like Oh, well, we may as well have not had that explosion happen at all because he's fine. He's 100%. Yeah, um, right. and this, Dare, the Daredevil show, similarly. Sure, exactly, yeah. I, I mean, I would say most of the Netflix shows sure. do a, an excellent job with that. Um, but yeah, like, that bit particularly, I think it's right after the, the smokestack falls. And mm -hmm. there's a bit where Natasha gets, like, thrown a couple of times and she gets yeah. she gets caught on a couple of things falling down the building. And then she just lands on her feet and she's fine. Yeah. Come on. We can do better than that. And, like, it it happens over and over and over again. Like, it, it it's a continuing problem throughout the movie. It's not just, like, one distracting action sequence. It's in every action sequence. So, I, I don't know. Maybe once again that would fall on if it's a bunch of previs just kind of putting together action scenes before the script's even done and they just kind of stick with that. Um, or maybe that's just Kate Shortland's style of, you know, designing action scenes. I don't know. But I thought that was a problem. Um, also, I was annoyed by particularly that chase scene where Taskmaster is in this giant military vehicle and is just shooting arrows and whatnot and they're just endangering civilians i know yeah. it's like a chase scene they're just trying to get away from taskmaster but there's not even a second thought about civilians and in a movie that's specifically about regret and trying to fix past actions that's a huge problem 
I know the movie, like it, it, it goes by in the blink of an eye, but I think yeah. that's a significant problem. You can't, you can't do that in a movie like this. You just can't. Yeah. The, the subject matter, like you, you just can't. Yeah, there is, no, it, there are some F9 similarities in that, in that bit. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, it's like the bit in Amazing Spider-Man 2 where we're having like this really fun action scene and Spider-Man's doing all of this stuff and it's the best web swing you've ever seen in your life. And he's like, I'm going to go save Jamie Foxx real quick. He goes and catches Jamie Foxx. Paul Giamatti in this massive truck <laughs> proceeds to crash into like 10 cars and some of them explode. I'm like, okay, you saved Jamie Foxx, sure, but how many people just died? <laughs> but did Jamie Foxx die? That's what no, because really he's going to be in um, Spider-Man No Way Home, Tyler. Speaking of which, <laughs> uh, we have a special treat for this this podcast because as we are recording this, the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer has just dropped. Um, do we want to finish up our Black Widow discussion? Do we have anything else before we move into this bit? Because uh, we've decided we're all going to react at once. I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know how we're gonna how we're gonna make this happen. Um, yeah, I don't even or, know where what, to watch it. What I'm going to uh, to do to our I'll I'll, I'll send it. Um, okay, cool. What I'm what I'm going to do with this audio? I might remove it all. I might just say this is a <laughs> terrible idea, and you're you're all listening are going to be like, oh, well, I'm excited about this bit, and then it's just going to jump to me saying, yep, that was a terrible idea. <laughs> um, but we're gonna try it um so real quick grades on black widow <laughs> i do actually have a couple more things i would like to address okay. about black right. uh, can, do you do you want to do kidding, those I'm first totally or do we do we well i'll, I'll do those first i'll get okay. that out of the way right. that way we right. can get to the fun stuff all right uh this film does make a mild attempt at least to have different languages that our characters speak because they are different nationalities, yeah. but it is very, very inconsistent. The whole end scene between Drakoff and Natasha should be entirely in Russian. And I thought uh, I was constantly asking myself why they were speaking English throughout the entire movie. Um, and it's certainly better than something like, you know, Captain America First Avenger where just everyone's speaking English, you know, regardless of yeah. their nationality um, or what country they're in. So we're we're making progress, but it's still it's still not there. And I I, I was distracted by that. Um, my last thing I'll say is that I think the best action sequence of the entire film is the prison break sequence sure. where they're trying to mm -hmm. get Red Guardian out. And I kind of think that that's the maximum level of of kind of scope for your action scene that you should have in the movie. Like, I feel yeah. like that should be the climax. Like, I'm almost wondering if the climax was we're going to we're going to attack the Red Room and we're going to free all of the Black Widows. And like, it's it's something similar to that in terms of the setup. Yep. Um. I, f I thought that whole scene was just really exciting and it found interesting things for all of the characters to do. And it came up with really fun moments for everyone. And I think that one's the most visually distinct. Obviously, you know, we've got this, this uh, Russian prison gulag thing that's somewhere in Siberia and there's just snow everywhere and Black Widow's wearing the white uniform, which is just visually different from everything else we've seen her in. Um, and I thought that was just like, I don't know. That, that was the one time I was like, okay, I'm with the movie. I'm with it for yeah. a little bit. So, yeah. I do, that's, yeah. I do think this movie compared pretty favorably watching it right after F9 because A, it's two hours and 13 minutes and not 
230. Sure. Yeah. Something in that range. Uh, which every little bit helps. The, the, this was a movie that I stopped partway through and was like, oh, I'm pretty far along, as opposed to almost every other movie that we watch. <laughs> <laughs> Where I'm like, oh, God, there's so much time left. Um, the like it also it's it's just more watchable yeah um i think it is something that is is much easier to just look at right away and get invested in that you you can tell that there is a difference with the the level of competency that mc movies are made with and the fact that the characters are fun the dialogue is usually snappy it's engaging the um just the overall direction isn't it's not distracting most of the time unless the effects get wonky like the the actual you can visually uh, process everything that's happening and it makes sense and it's easy to follow um there there are some things that i think sometimes we take for granted with the mcu that uh we don't necessarily get in other movies that we review so i did want to highlight that uh yeah i i feel like at times when they were speaking English with the Russian accents, they were almost speaking in semi-broken English. I might be remembering wrong, but that feels weird because they were speaking perfect English with the English with the American accents at the beginning of the movie. I could be wrong though. Um, I also want to point yeah. out the little girl who plays young Florence Pugh. She plays young Nell in um, *Haunting of Hill House*, so that makes two movies or two things that child has been in where her character was in a thing called the Red Room. So. Well, there you go patterns never-ending circles uh-huh. uh i'm gonna give it uh c minus feels too high d plus feels too low Ooh. yeah i'm gonna go i'll go c minus what the heck whatever i don't remember it <laughs> i like foreign <laughs> Pugh a lot i like david harbour a lot all right that i'm gonna go c i, I will a, as well this is a solid neutral movie for me <laughs> is quite fine uh joseph will be happy to hear if i can find my grade for ragnarok i did rate it below ragnarok so there you go there's something there at least yeah moving on up yeah sort of (laughs) it's not really how that works but so how are we doing are we are am i just like taking them at your phone so yeah i think i think what we're gonna do is we're all gonna we're gonna take out our earphones and we're all going to watch the trailer we're gonna have our audios playing at the same time into the into each of our respective microphones we're just gonna see what happens <laughs> and we're just gonna see what happens all right are, are we gonna try and sync this up so we're all playing at the same time no, or just not even slightly no okay right. no, no countdown or nothing <laughs> i'll see you boys on the other side <laughs> i'm already 45 seconds in <laughs> well here we go oh my god is that buckaroo bonsai Alex, i'm talking i'm watching the trailer <laughs> okay all right spider-man I love the opening five-second tease that oh they have God. for YouTube ad purposes. Is that a Tobey Maguire Spider-Man in the black suit? Standing on the Statue of Liberty? <laughs> I'm, I'm, re- I'm rewinding here because I need, to be, I need to be clear on this. I do hope that at least this part of the audio is, synced, is, is isolated because I will say Tobey Maguire belongs on the top of the Statue of Liberty. So that's why I'm like, no, is that, is that what, is that what's happening here? Is that open, open all the borders, engage that, all is defenses. That, is that, is that Tobey Maguire and in the put dancing that suit? man on a statue? <laughs> because it looks like Tobey Maguire in the dancing suit. I, I don't know. <laughs> that's my takeaway. 
I w- it, it wouldn't go full full screen on my phone. That's all right. So I was having to kind of squint. It's probably going to be fine. Venom wasn't there. Zero out of ten. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I did see J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah. And Lizard and Sandman. And Electro and Green Goblin and Otto Octavius. I also saw John Favreau. It's good to see him. Yeah. It is good to see John Favreau. I was happy to see him. Zendaya's delivery about the magic words being pleased is pretty good. I like her. I really thought she was going to say some random Dune turn. I was like, I thought she was going <laughs> to say it, that it, start it. with F. <laughs> Genuinely, I thought she was going to do a cussing joke. But it was I know funnier. some magic words. Arrakis. <laughs> <laughs> magic word is uh, a genocide across the stars. <laughs> a jihad, a jihad in, in his name. <laughs> Whoa. You know what? It does look like uh, Pete, old Pete's having a bit of a jihad in this movie. I would disagree. I don't. <laughs> jihad don't literally where... means struggle. Is that? Okay. Well. Yeah. Jihad means struggle. Like, you can have a jihad not, against cars. Not Look, I Frank think we were Herbert having a little bit it. of a jihad trying to add commentary while watching <laughs> that trailer. I definitely did. I was like, I'm just trying it's to. It's almost like trailers are meant for you to watch and not I react think, uh, to. I think I got some, uh, I think I got some juicy uh, commentary in there. You'll have to uh, <laughs> listen to Tyler, podcast. you better. You better, like, splice that thing up or just ax it all together. <laughs> I think the term Spider Monday I... is cute. <laughs> hearing I, uh... hearing the very serious trailer man say, tickets on sale, Spider Monday. <laughs> like, it's so Can good. we get the Bangles to do a remix of Manic Monday, but it's Spider Monday? Okay. Keep but talking. <laughs> Gotta catch an early train. Got to be to work by nine. <laughs> and if I had a Quinjet, I still couldn't make it on time. That This works better than I thought it did. All right. Bengals. Key to everything. So call up Stephanie. The last name withheld. <laughs> the front woman. Well, I'd for, say call for Prince reasons. wrote the song, but we can't call Prince. So, Yeah. Doctor, Doctor Strange could. So mm-hmm. Doctor Strange uh, is still getting his own movie, right? Which is undergoing a lot of reshoots. Yeah. When I saw is that, it? I was like, oh, Alex is getting excited. Loves a reshoot. <laughs> That's fine. They all go through reshoots. No, yeah, for sure. Uh, Titanic originally wasn't about the boat. Yeah. It was about a big sandwich that Leo It was just ate. about the... <laughs> it was just about them going under the submarine and getting picked off, or going down to the submarine to the Titanic wreck and getting picked off one by one by a guy in a crocodile sub. <laughs> it's like it the abyss. A, it was a horror film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Tyler, no, that looks fun. Talk about that. My lawyers. God. <laughs> no, that looks. My lawyer said if I didn't speak about that, I would be fine. <laughs> I would be in the clear. And then you had to bring it up on a podcast where we were supposed to be talking about Black Widow. Hey, speaking of lawyers, I didn't see any recognizable arm hair. That's true. <laughs> well, there's no even, not even any point in seeing this thing. It turns out Charlie Cox was literally in every single frame of that trailer. <laughs> he's he's in every scene, place. just like peeking behind a bench. Yeah. Oh. Uh, my my immediate th- thoughts on that trailer, if anyone cares, because this is immediately dating the podcast. Like oh, yeah. this might be the worst example of this we've had. Uh, the action scenes look significantly better than the past MCU Spider-Man movies. Um, it looks like they're trying to go for a darker tone. That could just be trailer manipulation, but or I appreciate nighttime. that. 
It's also set at night. night. (laughs) Um, They should have uh, actually had the guts to put either Andrew or Toby in there. I know they're holding them off until the movie actually comes out, but they should have done one or the other. But really, is that... Is that Toby Maguire? I'm not. I'm not no, joking. No, no, is no. that Toby Maguire in the suit that he dances in? Well, I wonder if that is that end sequence where Doctor Strange is like, "Oh, the portals are opening. There's more people coming in." Is that supposed to be like a, "Oh no, we think there are more threats coming," and then Andrew and Toby just kind of fall in? And that's my idea? assumption. Yeah. Yeah. What if it's actually from a completely unrelated movie, like Tom Hanks from You've Got Mail shows up? <laughs> <laughs> it would be no it's it's emma stone but it's specifically cruella well see i was here was what i was wondering though when zendaya is falling and uh holland's going to save her i thought garfield was gonna redeem himself yeah, d- that and definitely i was like, like oh he's and he was like and maybe it will be maybe that'll be yeah. what happens he saves her and then he goes got one well there's like an exact there's a, not an exact same, but there's a very similar scene in Spider-Man 3 where Mary Jane's falling and it's Harry and Spider-Man and they're both on the glider going for it. Mm. And uh, I think it's something like James Franco's like, go, buddy. And then Tobey Maguire's like, got her. And then he jumps off and grabs her. And I kind of wish they just did that. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. So does he have uh, a, I think- a Doctor Strange spider suit? Or maybe he like just put some magic on his current suit i don't Maybe. know yeah every every movie he's got like nine costumes we need more minifigures it's like clueless Britain. in here we need more funko pops it's true also where's alicia silverstone as Cher from clueless in this movie there's more coming through and it's like dr octopus and he's like oh i'm so mad at you peter parker and then alicia silverstone's like as if and she hits him with his purse <laughs> Can we get an edit where she walks out during portals? Can we get can we get that? <laughs> <laughs> my new my new uh, uh, wish for Halloween ends is for when someone's facing off against Michael Myers, they go, "Oh, I'm so mad at you, Michael Myers," <laughs> and they try to like hit him or something, and he kills him. <laughs> Everyone's yelling, "Evil dies tonight!" and you just see her off in the corner, as if. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One of the only people to score an uncontested hit was Buster Rhymes. I'm just saying. There's more people coming through, and then you hear, Hiya! And Buster Rhymes <laughs> flies in from the an alternate universe and spin kicks Sandman. <laughs> oh, that'd be so good. <laughs> Look, no, I but think it good. I'm, I'm asking the question that a generation has been asking. Where is Dr. Kafka? You know? He's a well, giant cockroach, Alex. The movie <laughs> the movie came out, uh, the movie you're referring to came out. Oh, geez, it was Amazing Spider-Man 2011? No. The first one is 2012. Second 2012. is 2014. Oh, geez. It has We're almost old. been 10 years. We're old, man. Terrifying. We're old. And not the M. Night Shyamalan movie. I assume we're better than that. Anyways, <laughs> uh, I'm going to go ahead and do recommendations while they both scour the internet for uh, Easter eggs and such. Because no, Tyler is trying to confirm like nobody, that Tobey Maguire. It may, it may just be Doctor Strange, but it'd be very weird. It would be strange. That? Um, it might I, be Doctor Strange. That, what a weird... 
I watched two very different things this week, but both are about unfortunate misfires. <laughs> um, the first of which being the documentary Hodorowsky's Doom. Oh, yeah. I think it's from about 10 years ago. It's got some of the last interviews with H.R. Giger before he passed because he helped with the uh, concept art for the film. It's basically about the attempt of Alejandro Jodorowsky to making Dune uh, back in the 70s. And it's a very, very odd vision that he has. He basically describes it as, I want to visualize an LSD trip without you actually having to take LSD. Um, and it seems like he just kind of chose Dune arbitrarily. <laughs> and I cannot guarantee that the film he was trying to make would have been good. Um, I, I would need some strong convincing on that front. But he had a lot of weird ideas. There's a lot of famous people that he tried to get involved with it. Uh, Orson Welles as the Baron Harkonnen. Uh, that that was fascinating to me. Wasn't like Salvador um, Dali going to be the emperor of the universe? And he wanted to be the highest paid actor in Hollywood. So he wanted to get paid, I believe, $100,000 a minute. So they said, okay, we'll do that in terms of your screen time. What do you think he's going to be in it? Like maybe seven minutes? All right, we can do that. And then we'll take a mold of him and say the emperor, because he was going to play the emperor, will have him be so paranoid about his safety, he'll make a, himself a robot. And the <laughs> robot will be the stand-in for Salvador Dali for the rest of the film. Smart. Um, I do respect him going, it'll be however long it needs to be. So if it's 14 hours, it's 14 hours. Um, I, I, I appreciate that mindset, but he also described, um, adapting the material as, uh, raping Frank Herbert with love, which there's a lot to unpack there and I'm not going to get into that, but, um, it was an interesting documentary if nothing else. And I would recommend that, um, especially if you're kind of interested in exploring Dune after, um, the Denis Villeneuve film, um, you know, that just came out recently. Um, the other thing I watched, and this won't be a recommendation, but I just thought I should address this because, um, this is something that I, I considered like throwing out as an idea for the podcast. We don't need to do it. I watched, uh, Sylvester Stallone's Rocky four, Rocky versus Drago, his director's cut, and it's not really good. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately it's an attempt to make Rocky four kind of a more serious film. Is that um, the one with the robot? Yes, the okay. robot and the giant Russian. Okay. Um, and so we get scenes cut out, like the entire, every bit with the robot is cut out. Like a lot of the 80s cheesiness is cut out. We still get all of our fun 80s montages though, so not a total loss. Yeah, but, with a bunch of organics. <laughs> it's just edited very strangely. And I don't know how much of it is just, I've seen Rocky Four so many times, I just know all of the cuts within it. But- even within like scenes that you're familiar with and they still generally flow the same. He goes with like different camera angles or like slightly different takes and it's just really, really distracting. And the film kind of starts off in a weird place. It kind of shows an extended flashback summary of Rocky three instead of just kind of getting into the movie. Um, I was kind of concerned when I saw that the runtime was an hour and a half, which is the same runtime as the theatrical cut for the film. Um, I was kind of assuming that it would be, you know, a good bit longer because it's like, it's supposedly like 40 minutes of, of new or different footage. Um, I think there's probably a happy middle ground between the two cuts that would ultimately be the best version of the film. 
Um, but I got to be honest, I'll take the cheesy robot uh, 80s infused cut of the film over uh, what was released, unfortunately. And I was excited for this, and it's just kind of a shame. So I'm glad that I didn't try and do one of those Fathom events for it because those are expensive, and that probably would have been very, very frustrating. So Yeah, jeez. Yeah, like I said, unfortunate misfires this week. <laughs> I um I didn't watch a movie this week. I did finish the first season of Deadwood, the legendary HBO show from the early 2000s. Uh, I started the season off like, yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, I'll watch another episode. Sure. And by the end of it, I was completely in love. It is beautiful. It's I haven't seen seasons two or three yet, so I, I don't think my opinion will change, but it could. Um, yeah, it's stunning. It's If you don't know, it is uh, about the actual place, Deadwood, which is a gold mining camp in the, I believe, late 1800s, populated with a lot of real people, uh, most famously Wild Bill Hickok and Calamity Jane. Um, and it's about the lives and the power struggles and the sort of social entanglements of that settlement. Um but by the thing that really got me about it is, I mean, it looks beautiful. It's it's really, really well designed. And the dialogue is gorgeous. Like, Bone Tomahawk had all this beautiful language. Deadwood is very similar in that way. Um, okay. But the, the, by the end of the show, I really, or the season, I think the, the characters are so rich. Like, it really feels like the writers and the actors just know each character inside and out. They are so dynamic and so enthralling and engaging and it's not as gritty and grim as i thought it was going to be there's an i want to say it's like episode six or seven i think it's the title of the episode is suffer the little children i believe and that has the only part of the series the season where i was actually like okay this is this is kind of upsetting though this is like who this is a lot but even that was totally survivable um but also as it wore on i realized it's actually quite funny there's some really good comedy in it and there are moments of such deep tenderness and warmth and compassion that is parts of that season are so beautiful and moving um i i really 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 liked it and i would highly recommend it to people honestly if you're i wouldn't be quite as i mean still check on the blood thing it might be a bit much for you but it, i did not rate as highly as I thought it would in the first season. The language is like through the roof. So there is that. Um, but if nothing else, the cast, which is absolutely broken, it's Timothy Oliphant and uh, uh, Ian McShane are our kind of co-leads, but you've also got a ton of character actors and like these great regional actors like Dayton Callie and John Hawks uh, with W. Earl Brown, Ray McKinnon, who's phenomenal on it. Robin Weigert, uh, uh brad dourif um jerry jewell uh i mean just name after name after name jim beaver is wonderful in it molly parker uh and you get these little one episode appearances from people like nick offerman uh hitchcock and scully from Brooklyn 99 are both in it in different episodes Kristen bell shows up for an episode um or no two episodes uh, Powers Booth, Kim Dickens. Uh, I mean, it's it's uh, Ricky Jay. Just this this long, long list of phenomenal actors. I think Anna Gunn is in the second season. Um, it's really wild to see all of these brilliant. Like every scene has at least one to two great actors in it. Um, and I just totally loved it. So perhaps I will watch seasons. I will definitely watch seasons two and three. Perhaps it will falter. I don't think it will. Uh, but yeah, Deadwood. It's great. And 
some of its major Emmys, it did not win because The Sopranos won. But I can only imagine that that is fitting. And Alex and I are in a blood feud now. So there it is. Tyler, do you have anything to to signal boost, recommend, discuss? Yeah, it's not a movie or a TV show, but I did uh, reread for the first time in quite a while the Marvel Comics event Annihilation, mm. not to be confused with the movie with the scary bear. Um, Which I love. <laughs> this is uh, the movie, or the movie, the event that kind of kicks off the um, modern Guardians of the Galaxy, which is what the movies were adapted from. Hmm. Um, it is basically the idea is that Annihilus, scary insect, insect boy, uh, comes into the main Marvel universe from the negative zone. Uh, and he is leading a big old army and wrecking his, wrecking his way through the Marvel. He's wrecking his way downtown. <laughs> wrecking his way downtown. Um, and he is homebound. Uh, <laughs> and he, uh, no, he's, he's tearing through all the big space empires in the Marvel comics, cosmic universe, uh, like the Kree and the scroll and doing all sorts of murdering and, uh, taking out planets. Uh, and they all, a bunch of random scattered heroes have to like, and villains kind of have to come together to figure out how to stop him. Um, and it's a, it's a lot of fun. It gets like all the main players. There's, it's a cool structure because it's got like a, a handful of mini series for like silver surfer and like Ronan, the, the accuser as mm. portrayed by Lee pace and, uh, Drax. It's kind of reimagines Drax. Um, and then so like reintroduces a bunch of these characters and kind of revitalizes them. And that spins into a whole bunch of events and comics that, uh, ultimately resulted in the, current like iteration of the guardians of the galaxy in marvel comics before james kind of adapted them for the movie so um it it's it rules it's very good uh, it's just it's just super cool and has like a lot of fun space battle tactics and like all these fun characters popping up so yeah that sounds awesome i had a i had a good time with it i hadn't revisited it in a while that was like one of the first things i read getting into comics on digitally through um marvel has their marvel unlimited comic subscription uh and uh, going back to it i was like oh wow now that i know a lot more about these characters this is uh even better than i remembered it being so who who wrote that uh keith giffen is the okay. main writer who's like a pretty long-standing comic book writer i believe okay. um the the guardians run that everyone knows is written by i think they're both the writers i forget who the artist would be um but it's dan abnett and andy lanning are their mm. names um okay. so guardians of the galaxy by abnett and lanning is like the the run that uh created the current version of them but okay uh they they do some of the or i think they they have a couple of hands maybe yes yes they do the nova miniseries beforehand. okay which is a character who i'm fascinated that we haven't gotten to i know we've done we've seen the nova corpse Nova Core, um, but well, I, don't... I mean, now there are a bunch of corpses. Now there are the Nova corpses. Um, that was good, but uh, I don't, I don't. I'm fascinated by the fact that there really hasn't been any like buzz about Nova showing up in the MCU. I feel like that's gonna happen sooner than later, um, especially if we're getting Adam Warlock soon. So, who knows? Maybe with those Walter uh... and. Timothy Chalamet. What are those yeah. Avengers I, of Atlan or something? Bad. The the Asian collective. 
Say what? The Avengers of Atlan or something. Uh, it's like Shang-Chi hangs out with them sometimes, and there's rumors that they might be starting that. Because apparently they've cast the younger man from Parasite, and people think he's going to be connected to that. Hmm. I can't remember what it's called. I just heard about it I don't it know what they're doing, because they're, they're spinning up, like, it really feels like they're going to do some Young Avengers stuff, like you yeah. were saying with Kate Bishop. Yeah. And, um, uh, obviously, Black Widow ends with Elena mm-hmm. theoretically going after Hawkeye, and we just got USA, US Agent in Falcon and Winter Soldier talking with julia louise drivers as well so like i i feel like they're doing a thunderbolts thing there or something yeah. i don't know i don't know what we're i don't know what's happening with all that um but it feels like they have a lot that they're trying to build towards and i don't know when they're gonna make all of this yeah. happen yeah yeah well unlike black widow we tried a lot of different things today didn't we guys yeah <laughs> really really got in there and mixed it up um we, we really experimented with the formula we did um, Probably, we'll probably pull back some of that next week. In, in the great words of Willem Dafoe, we will go back to formula. We don't no. want to. We don't want to have a live reaction to the trailer for Clifford. Uh, well, that's already out. I know. That's what we could go. Making. We could stop and go do that right now. Or also have that. Be whoa. Or we all do Paramount Plus and we do a commentary for it. <laughs> right here, right, right now. now. For, no, but it's just for Back Paramount Plus, just scrolling through the library, talking about <laughs> Paramount Plus. Oh, new Rugrats. Okay. Oh, okay. I, I, to- I totally don't have my my uh, 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 mouse hovering over uh, Clifford, the play option. Right. <laughs> what are you guys talking about? The good fight. I don't know how a fight can be good. I guess I better watch, <laughs> find out what's going on. Um, if you liked or didn't our stuff today heck if you didn't that might even be better either way let us know what you think tyler how can they let us know what they think uh yeah you can you can contact us at here the sequels.blogspot.com uh we're on twitter at hct sequels you can email us at here the sequels at gmail.com we are also on spotify soundcloud um apple music podcast conglomerate the web yeah much w- like Spider-Man. Go to www.website.biz, and mm-hmm. uh, you can probably find us through that. Yeah. That's how you get to the internet. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Well, you, you jack in the mainframe first, but mm-hmm. yes. You boot it up. Um, um, we have not revealed what we're talking about next week. No, we have not. Uh, it's going to be another uh, humdinger of a, of a Thanksgiving episode. Um. Well, it's, we got gonna... a feast. It's Thanksgiving. We got to get a nice meaty movie. Yes. So, uh, look. Sometimes you give thanks. Sometimes you take it. Sometimes you take <laughs> it. This is take Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we'll we'll just drop that and and let yeah. y'all uh, yeah. learn. I, yeah. I think I think that's just how we're gonna how we're gonna roll with that. So. For sure. I will say, Alex and I have both seen the picture that we'll be discussing. Tyler has not. Correct. So it'll be an interesting, interesting thing. So um, I might be like, I hate this. Uh, I'm pulling out <laughs> the backdoor option, and we're talking about Knives Out. But there otherwise, you, hey, that's hey, not what go. we're talking about. Uh, and we're talking about something else that will be revealed. Yeah. So yeah, watch this space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of a funny proper pronoun to say that Mark Zuckerberg's gotten in, <laughs> mixed up with. 
because I already use Cheez-Its and Brockmire, and those are my mm-hmm. two kind of gold comedy nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't gotten deeper in the mine on that one. But uh, I'll maybe have some more good jokes for you next week. <laughs> get, get, we get in the writer's room. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, rate and review us. And tune in next week for Thanksgiving times. And I hope you have a good Thanksgiving. I've been Britton. I've been Tyler. I've been Alex, who has been saddled with this ending. And you're having a good night.